in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. The front page is brought to you by Bonkers Comedy Club at the Suncoast. The Suncoast Hotel and Casino is the place to eat, drink, and laugh. Check out Bonkers Comedy every Saturday night. UNLV quarterback Doug Brumfield is still in concussion protocol. Marcus Arroyo said he is day-to-day. That is the same description as last week, uh, where concussion protocol and day-to-day. Also the same as last week, UNLV's depth chart for the week does not list Doug Brumfield. Again, depth charts don't exactly mean anything. Um, He's day-to-day, which means they could be back. Doug Brumfield could play on Saturday against Notre Dame, but it is the exact same Monday setup that we saw last week when Doug Brumfield did not end up playing against Air Force. Which leads you to believe that he's not going to play. We talked about this during the break. If he's at all, and I don't think they would, if he's at all still in a protocol or, you know, showing any signs, you're 24-point underdogs. I know coaches don't think this way. I get this. But the most important thing for them is the conference and to get to be bowl eligible. If he shows any signs at all, I wouldn't play him in this kind of game. Right. I just Um, wouldn't put him in. I mean, he's not going to play if he's not out of concussion protocol anyways. I think you could could argue even if he is out of concussion protocol, you don't play him this week. But let me ask you this. What would be a bigger deal? UNLV going 6-6 six and six and playing in the Idaho Potato Bowl? Or, or UNLV, UNLV beating Notre, Notre Dame? Dame? I would I think, say probably Notre Dame. I think Notre it Dame. might be Notre Dame because I think that's the biggest win in the history of the school. So if you, if Doug Rumfield is cleared, because here's the thing. Like if let's just for argument's sake, Rumfield gets cleared Thursday morning. Right, He didn't take any of the first-team snaps in practice. Cam Friel got all the reps because Brumfield was in concussion protocol, but he's cleared on Thursday. Right, As a coaching staff, you have you have a decision, basically. Right, Do we right. play Brumfield, who, who hasn't, do anything hasn't taken any snaps in weeks against Notre Dame, or do we say, all right, let's take, you just take the weekend, I mean, travel with them, but you just take the weekend off, and then come back next week and we'll have you ready to go for the end of the season, the the San Diego State, Fresno State, uh, Hawaii, and Nevada stretch to close out the year. What is more important? I could completely understand. Again, if he's cleared, Doug saying we're going with Brumfield against Notre Dame because I believe Brumfield having taken Doug, Doug Brumfield having not looked at a football in two weeks for weeks is better than Cameron Friel. He just is. So I, in all in all honesty, I think you can argue beating Notre Dame would be a bigger deal than going to a bowl game. Now, what's the line right now? 24? 24 and a half. 24 and a half. I'm guessing that line assumes Brumfield is not playing. Yes. Because uh, Notre Dame doesn't score a lot of points <laughs> to, right. to be favored by 24 and a half. So I do wonder if all of a sudden Brumfield's playing. Does that line drop to 20? I would say probably 20. That much? Yeah. And I would, so that whole argument, what's more important, beating Notre Dame going to a bowl game? Even if Brumfield plays, you're still expected to lose by three possessions. So, yes, it's nice to think about, ah, we can beat Notre Dame with Doug Brumfield. 
you're probably still losing. What well, answer the question? What's more important? Because I think it's beating Notre Dame. It is beating Notre Dame. We would again. Bowl games is something this program always strives for. Whatever. We would absolutely look back at Marcus Arroyo was the coach that beat Notre Dame. That went into Notre Dame and won. Doug Brumfield was the quarterback that beat Notre Dame. We would remember that for a lot longer than we would the Idaho Potato Bowl of 2022. Now, what if they beat Notre Dame and win a bowl game? Well, and here's the thing. If they do beat Notre Dame, they're going to a bowl game. They're going to a bowl game. I mean, if they beat Notre Dame and then lost the last four games of the season... Including two to Nevada and, and Hawaii. In all seriousness, Arroyo would beat Notre Dame and probably get fired in the same <laughs> season. Because if they if you beat Notre Dame and then lose those games, that's a nightmare finish to the season. So, and that's if you beat Notre Dame, you go into a bowl. Yes. So, I think if he's cleared at any point this week, you they play start him. him. You play this guy and say he's significantly better than anybody else we got. You play that guy and you try to you, you give it your best to win the game. Their defense has been so bad. I don't think it's going to matter, but you play him. Do you start him or do you start? Oh, you start him. Oh, no. If, he's, get if, out if of you're here, playing Friel. him, you start him. What kind of a question is that? You this, start him. This coach with these no, quarterbacks, he might him. start Freel and then he might do that, but that would be stupid. No. If he's ready and cleared, you start him. I'm out. The Titans might get public funding for a dome stadium in Nashville. The mayor of Nashville has agreed to a deal uh, the Titans are trying to build a $2.2 billion domed stadium. Uh, from the reporting at Axios.com, the Titans are only going to pay $800 million of that $2.2 billion. The Nashville Metro City Council apparently still has to approve this. So this is not by any means a done deal. But if it does, I'm surprised that the Titans didn't have to threaten to move to a yeah. new city. Isn't that the, isn't that the uh, norm? That's the go-to. But you know what happened here? And I, I, this to me is hilarious. The Tennessee Titans play in a football stadium that was built in the late 90s, 98 or 99, right? So we're it's not even a 30-year-old stadium at no, this point, no. right? 98 or 99, it holds 69,000 people, which is more than what Allegiant Stadium holds. And part of the argument for the Titans to get public money to build this stadium is the mayor came out and said, well, if we build this, we can host the Super Bowl. They can host the Super Bowl now. Why, why can't they do it in the stadium they're in? Right. They can do it now, but the here's what the NFL does. When an owner wants a new stadium, the NFL comes in and says, hey, city council, hey, Mr. Mayor. Oh, it's automatic. You can have the Super Bowl if you give us a billion yeah. dollars in public yeah. funding to build this stadium. Yeah. And then the mayor or the city council turns around and says, oh, we can get the Super Bowl, right. guys. When in reality, if the NFL wanted the Super Bowl in Nashville, they put it in Nashville. They could put the damn Super Bowl yeah, in exactly. Nashville right now. Right. They don't need a new stadium to put the right. Super Bowl there. They could just do it if they wanted it there. I've got to be honest with you, given it's Nashville and the entertainment and options around there and everything about Broadway and all those streets, they had the draft there. I'm surprised they haven't. The big argument is that it might be cold in Nashville. It might rain in Nashville, okay. which whatever. They play football in the rain. It's fine. Like nobody's going to be like, oh, God. The, Na- the blizzard of Nashville in February. Like, it, yes, it's happened, but like, it's it's not like we're talking about Minnesota without a roof. That's right. not, we're not talking about Foxborough, Massachusetts. It's still Nashville. So I just love that that is all. Anytime there is a, hey, we need a new stadium. Here comes oh, you're the guaranteed. NFL. What, we, heard that, uh, we heard that about Vegas, right. and Vegas got the Super Bowl. Now, I would wonder, I would be curious, 
would the NFL give them the Super Bowl if Nashville didn't give them any public money? Like if the Titans owner just said, all right, I'll pay for the entire $2.2 billion myself. Like if this if this goes to the city council, and the city council says we are absolutely not giving any money. So the owner says, fine, I'll write the and check. And the owner eventually relents and says, I'll, I'll do $2.2 billion and build the stadium. Would the NFL still give Nashville the Super Bowl? I still think they'd get one in a brand you new stadium. So? In a brand new stadium. So then don't give them public money. Oh, I'm with you on that. Yeah, don't I mean, give we've talked money. about that with the Raiders. We've talked about that with the Raiders. Call their bluff and say, all right, build the stadium yourself and don't give us the Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah, we'll see how that works out for you. Don't you think they'd still get one? Brand new stadium? Probably, but the NFL likes to dangle it out there in front of cities. Yes. And, and if a city said, no, we're not giving you public money, and they still gave them the Super Bowl after they tried to use it as a bargaining chip, I could see them saying, we paid for this ourselves. You're not getting the Super Bowl in Nashville. I could see them saying that. I don't know if they actually would, but I could see the logic for the NFL to not do so. That's crafty wording right there. I give you credit. <laughs> Robbie Anderson was traded to the Arizona Cardinals for a sixth and a seventh round pick. Uh, he got sent off the sideline during the Panthers game on Sunday. He kept arguing with coaches and eventually Steve Wilkes, who's the interim head coach in Carolina now, just sent him away. Said, go at it, get out of here. And he was sent back to the locker room. And the next day he was traded for a sixth and a seventh round pick. Um I love the quickness of that, by the way. Oh, right away? Yeah, trading him right, like, as soon as the coach is like, ah, interim coach, by the way, is like, nope, I don't want this guy in my face. Get him out of here. They find a trade partner the very next day. Aren't they cleaning house anyway? Isn't McCaffrey going to be moved? Maybe. We'll see. I don't know if they actually trade him, but we'll see. They want multiple first-round picks for him. If a team trades multiple first-round picks for McCaffrey, their general manager should be fired before the trade goes through. That would be stupid. Like, nobody, you shouldn't trade a single first-round pick for, for a running back, let alone one that gets hurt all the one, time. One that gets hurt all the time. Right. Exactly. And they all say. get hurt all the time. Yeah. Like, Jonathan Taylor's hurt this year. Derrick Henry got hurt last year. The guys that we look at and say, ah, he's pretty durable. They all get hurt. If somebody trades two firsts for McCaffrey, fire that guy. I if, if somebody trades two firsts for McCaffrey, Dave Ziegler should be on the phone saying, hold on, we'll give you Josh Jacobs for one first. Or none in a couple seconds. <laughs> what do you think? Carson Wentz is expected to miss four to six weeks. He's got a broken finger. Taylor Heineke time? We're going to uh, see yeah, Taylor, Taylor Heineke, Heineke play it again? Um, how many teams are going to keep trading for Carson Wentz thinking he's the answer? <laughs> I don't know after this. After Ron Rivera. Is this it? Is after this the Ron end? Rivera actually calls him out publicly. What's wrong with your team? The quarterback. Uh this this might be it. This might be it for Carson Wentz in terms of getting traded for. I would think so, but maybe not. Who would do it? I don't know. Who needs a quarterback? Denver. <laughs> <laughs> too soon? It's um <laughs> No, I don't think it is too soon. Have you watched them play? I'm just amazed how many teams talked about this last week. How many teams decide every offseason to go find the Carson the Wentz, man the Baker Mayfield. they think is going to right. turn everything who's, around. Who doesn't, who's got four or five years of a track record that, hey, they're not that good. Right. And they still go do it, right? The Falcons did it with Mariota, who, granted, they aren't as bad as the Commanders, but so many teams do this where it's like, just draft a kid in the third round and right. play him. Just go get damn Bailey Zappi that New England got and just play that kid. There's like a 2% chance he's actually a good NFL starter, but that's a better option for your franchise than Carson Wentz, right? It's just it's just taking your team instead of being a three-win team to a six-win six win team, team 
and hurting your draft side. Well, hell, Carson Wentz makes him a three-win team. So maybe maybe Wentz was smart because they knew it was going to tank him out. Danny's pumping his Danny, fist. Did why you, you bet on the commanders Did you bet on total? Them? Oh, of course. God, I hate you oh, so much. No. Under seven and a half. We can't talk about anything without, without Danny, Danny either, over here either pumping sm- his fist. Well, either pumping his fist or shaking his head like dejected. Ugh. It's one of the two for the degenerate. It's He's never in the middle. He's never in the middle. So either I, pumping the fist or shaking his head. Carson Wentz. He's my hero. Go to the next topic. Yeah, great question. Yeah, again, great question. The Premier League could have a six-team tournament in the United States in July. This would be a preseason tournament, so they'd be friendlies, not actual competitive games. But here was the interesting detail from The Athletic. The big six teams in the Premier League, so that's Man City, Man United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham, and Chelsea, aren't on board with this yet. (laughs) So we get the next six? We're going to get Crystal Palace and Bill Foley's Bournemouth (laughs) in Allegiant Stadium. Like... Listen, sure, bring whatever Premier League teams you want over here. That's fine. But this is not going to be a big deal if at least two of those teams are not in this six-team tournament. If it was in Vegas and none of those teams were in, you wouldn't go? I would go with, like, free or cheap tickets. Here's the problem. They'd put it in Vegas. It'd be Crystal Palace and Bournemouth, and tickets would still be $75. Right, right. right. And I'd be like, all right, I paid $75. Foley would bring his team here. Right. So if it was... Crystal Palace in Bournemouth and it was, hey, 25 bucks. Absolutely. I'll go to that. But if it's, hey, Crystal Palace in Bournemouth. 75 and you, bucks. And you got to pay 75 bucks to sit in the upper deck or something stupid like that. No, thanks. I would go if it was cheap or free. But if it was one of the better teams, I might No, go. I'm saying, if I, yeah. I assume you'd go if it was like Man City. Well, I didn't Man go to the ones this summer because the Arsenal tickets were Chelsea. too expensive. Tickets were way too expensive here for the games they played here this summer. They're preseason friendlies. You got to pay 100 bucks to go watch them play. Right. Ridiculous. Come on. So maybe I am cheering for Palace and Bournemouth to come here so I can go for cheap. <laughs> for 25 bucks. So, then, but for by the way, for the th- giveaway. Those two will end up playing at Bishop Gorman. <laughs> if those two come here, Legion will be like, who? <laughs> what you, is a Crystal Palace? Did you watch the uh, Liverpool Man City game in Philly over the weekend? It was not in Philly. Are you sure? Because it said Philadelphia on the screen. <laughs> Do I explain to Danny what he got confused about here? Sure. All right. So NBC Sports does a live like pregame halftime and postgame show. And a lot of times they do it in studio, but a lot of times they travel to different cities. So the pregame show. do their show, shows? So like the do pregame pre- show post? was in Philadelphia. Oh, really? Yes. The actual game was in England. The actual okay. game was in Liverpool. So, but yes. Okay. NBC's, now I know why they're traveling around just to do their pre and post. Right. They just get fans to come out right. to have games and stuff. They do it in LA a lot, do it in New York a lot, but they went to Philly. And Danny apparently thought the game was actually in Philadelphia. Yeah, I did. (laughs) Coming up next, we will get into some more NFL as the Chargers beat the Broncos. The front page is brought to you by Bonkers Comedy Club at the Suncoast. Suncoast Hotel and Casino is the place to eat, drink, and laugh. Check out Bonkers Comedy every Saturday night. This is a big kick from Scott. Fair catch signaled for. And it's on the ground. Ball is on the ground. Ball is on the ground waiting for a signal as they pull bodies off. It's Charger football. Two Broncos collided. Washington signaled for the fair catch. His own man ran into him. The ball hit the pair, and the Chargers have jumped on it. There's the turnover they needed. I believe that was Jasir Taylor and Dean Leonard. Snap, hold, kick is up, and it is good. Chargers win. 39 yards. MVP. Dustin Hopkins in this contest. 
And an honorable mention to J.K. Scott, who flipped the field twice from his own end zone. Boy, what a hard-fought, ugly, muddy game, and what a sight down on the field, DJ. They got Hopkins up on their shoulders, carrying them off the field for the victory. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. The Chargers beat the Broncos in overtime last night, and as you heard, the biggest play of the game was a fumbled punt in overtime, which fumbled isn't even the right word. Uh, two teammates for the Broncos just ran into each other, and it bounced Kinda off like the guy's thigh. Devontae and Hunter? A little bit, yeah, a little bit like that. Um, and that put the Chargers in field goal range, even for Dustin Hopkins, who was kicking with a pulled hamstring, <laughs> torn hamstring. I mean, that guy kicked the ball and Chargers, immediately was down. I mean, Chargers can't get out of the way of themselves with kickers. He made the <laughs> kick, but it's like, my goodness, even when they stink, or even when they're good to <laughs> kick a field goal like that, he's got torn hamstrings. So... The Chargers got a win in a game in which neither team got a first down in overtime, uh, which is a terrific stat. Even when the Chargers get the ball in field goal range, Justin Herbert almost took a sack back towards midfield. (laughs) They would have knocked him out of field goal range, which would have been great. Um, Did you see Justin Herbert's reaction to Hopkins making the field goal? His facial expression was almost like disgusted. Like that, we won with that kind of win. Right. It was almost like a just thank God we didn't lose this to that game team because then we would have gotten crushed for losing this game, uh, which I think is the right response. That like we hear a lot about people in in sports be like, I hate to lose more than I like to win. Right. Last night, absolutely, that was more right. about who's going to lose the game than who's actually going to win the game. And I'm sitting here sitting, all right, Chargers are in a good spot at 4-2 four four and and two. Two to go to the playoffs. Yeah, they're fine. 4-2. As long as, as long as everybody on that team doesn't, like, tear a muscle during the rest of the season. Like, they can't even have their kickers not get hurt now. They're, just, they're done for with injuries. So, on the Broncos side. Oh, jeez. Is Russell, like, is he, is, he, is he, Russell Wilson actually Done? Well, they better hope not, given they gave up the whole house and signed him to a $245 million contract. Basically picks for two years and give him a massive contract. Like, he threw for 168 yards in a game that Did went I, to overtime. Is this right? Did I see? This can't be right. The second half passing was a minus 15. That can't be If right. you include the sack yardage, yeah. Yes. It might have been. Yes. I don't know what it was, but it might have no, been. No, exactly. But still. A, mi- a minus. He only completed three of eleven in the second half. Three of eleven. So the Broncos have played six games and they have broken twenty points once. That was against the Raiders, and they still lost that game. The Broncos have a legitimately good defense, and they can't win because Russell Wilson can't lead the offense right. to three touchdowns. Like they cannot score three touchdowns in a game, which is. Unbelievable! They've scored five total points, one being a with some uh, two being a safety in the third quarter, which <laughs> means the halftime adjustments of the coaching staff have not been stellar. Five, five points in the third quarter. They're they're bad. Like they're oh, offensively, their their defenses. And here, I will say this: lots of people have complained that we have gotten what three Bronco primetime games already. There's six scheduled. Give me all of them. Move every single Broncos game to Thursday, Sunday, or Monday night. Their next one is in mid-December oh, against come the Chiefs. On. 
We are going to go a whole it's month? The uh, unless, unless you count the England game coming up in two I weeks. do. 6 yes. a.m. Yes. I'm waking up to watch. It's the only game on at that point. This yeah. team is incredible for prime time. You ha- here's, what, here's what you have. A great defense with a bad offense, which means every game is going to be close. Every right. single time this team takes the field, the game is going to be close because the defense isn't giving up much more than 20. And the offense certainly isn't scoring much more than 20. These games are going to be in the teens. You're going to have a close game. It's going to come down to the end. Phenomenal. But the other part that's important about the Broncos, their head coach might be a moron. (laughs) Might be. Which means it's perfect for primetime criticism. All the things Nathaniel Hackett's done, if he does that in the 10 a.m. games on Sunday, yes, they get brought up. But they're not magnified. If no, they're, they're not in, the only game in town and the only game on and, every, and the whole country watching. We all get to see it. And we all get to say, what hand. the hell's that guy doing? Right. So you got a coach ripe for criticism. And now we've got a popular quarterback, a quarterback that's been good in the past, who is terrible. terrible. Also perfect for primetime criticism. Give me all of the Broncos games in prime time. I will watch every single one and come on here the next day and yell about Hackett or Russell Wilson and tell you that it's all great because they're phenomenal for prime time. I can confirm that the Broncos had negative nine yards in the passing game, <laughs> including the sack yardage. In the second half. Second half and overtime. That's amazing. Right. It's impossible. I want that it's every impossible. night. Because, okay, if we're picking the absolute best game to have in prime time, it's Bills versus Chiefs, right? We right, want those right. offenses, those teams, right? Maybe you throw the Eagles in there and it's like, hey, that group of teams in prime time, phenomenal. But you, you can't get that. That that matchup doesn't exist every week. There's no other team that's going to promise you the close game and the second and guessing the of the coach and the quarterback right. like the Denver Broncos right. will. Every game is going to be this way, so please give it to me. So now he's hurt again with a hamstring. Oh, I love that, too. He's got the shoulder injury that no one knew about until they went two and three, (laughs) right? Two and three, and then all of a sudden we heard about a shoulder injury. Now he said he felt something running, and he's got the hamstring that they're going to do an MRI in. And he said, I just had 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 to win the game, wanted to win the game, had to gut it out. So if they lose six or seven more times, are there going to be six or seven more injuries? Could be. Russell Wilson's going to be on the injury report. imagine his body at that point with yeah. all those injuries? He'll be on the injury report with seven things. Yeah. Still playing, All though. questionable. Yeah. Questionable. Seven different injuries. Who would you rather see in primetime, though, the Broncos or the Bears? The Broncos because of the coach. Yes. Because you get the Bears this coming week on a Monday night. Yeah, the Broncos. Russell Wilson is more apt for criticism than Fields. Like, Fields might not be a starting quarterback at the end of this season. The Broncos gave up so many picks and so much and gave Russell Wilson so much money. And the guy's, t- it's hilarious. The guy's terrible, right? And then Nathaniel Hackett's just the coach. I don't even know. I don't know that he necessarily did anything terrible last night. He waited to call his timeout in overtime for like 30 seconds, but that wasn't the biggest or the dumbest thing that he's done. So I don't think he, the last two weeks, Russell or Nathaniel Hackett hasn't really been complete buffoon, but it's still well, not good. But he's had so many things before that right. he's trying to make up for. It. Right. And until they actually win like three or four in a row, right. it's going to be this guy sucks. And yes. when you come out of halftime and you have negative nine passing <laughs> second half, <laughs> it's great. I love it. I want every, I want it every second of the day. Coming up next, Charles McDonald joins the show.
We're back to the press box with Graney and Bischoff. Joining us now from Yahoo Sports is Charles McDonald. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at 4Verts. All right, Charles, let me make an argument for you really quick. The Denver Broncos should have every single game moved into prime time because their defense is great and their offense sucks, so every game's going to be close. We're going to get late-game drama. Whether or not the game's good or not is irrelevant, but we're going to get late-game drama. The head coach might be a moron, so there's perfect opportunity to criticize him and... There's a popular quarterback who is supposed to be or was good who is playing terribly, so there's perfect opportunity to criticize Russell Wilson. It's everything we want. Close game, and we get to yell about people being bad at their jobs. Yeah, but it, you have to endure so much crap to get to the close game part. You know, like, I, 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 I look, I'm with you. I'm, I think watching the Giants, like, just crap their pants every week is, uh, or the Broncos watching the crap their uh, pants every week is hilarious, but uh, man, I don't enjoy watching these games uh, for the first 55 minutes of when they're on. Uh, look, I, I just think that great defense, horrible offense is a recipe for close games, but it's also a recipe for 55 minutes of awful, awful, awful football. Uh, but it might be worth it just on the back end to get Russell Wilson just being absolutely terrible every week on prime time. Yeah, is he going to get more injuries? Uh, yeah, I think you'll see a hamstring, a knee pop up, something like that. Just <laughs> anything to excuse the fact that he's just not as good as he once was. And uh, the Broncos are stuck with the worst contract in in football right now. I mean, <laughs> if you look at where they are, uh, just in terms of how how long until they can move on from Russell Wilson, they're realistically four years away at the earliest from being able to move on from this. And I think with just the way that this looks right now, that is, it's, it's pretty disheartening. It's gotta be pretty disheartening if you're, if you're a Broncos fan, because I don't really understand how this is supposed to get a whole lot better throughout the course of the season. All right. Uh, Kansas city played Buffalo, uh, pretty large consensus of the two best teams in the AFC. Uh, we have had a hard time answering this question during the week. Who is the third best team in the AFC? Um, Chargers probably. <laughs> okay. I, I don't. I, I mean, I don't. I don't really know who else would like fit in that in that realm. Uh, I I would just give it to the Chargers just because they have uh, just Herbert. You know, I think the Ravens. The Ravens just need to figure out like they're kind of in their Falcons era, I guess, where they're just blowing all these big leads at the end of games. They kind of need to figure that out, but. Uh, until they do, I guess they'll go with the Chargers, but it's not really a, a, a very convincing case for anyone being in the same tier as Buffalo or Kansas City to me. What about your Falcons? They're fun. They're yeah. bad. It's perfect. Yeah. Like this is this is this is what I wanted this season. Uh, I'm I'm a little concerned because they're a little bit more competent than I thought they would be. Yeah. Uh, especially when you, when you think about the fact that they have. Uh, $80 million in dead caps for this roster. So, you know, like they're, they're putting up some strong performances and, you know, they don't have nearly as much depth or top-end talent that they will next year, which is a terrible, terrible thing to think about <laughs> with the, the, the expectations and the hope coming back because this is a fun season, right? You get to see some good players play well. Brady Jarrett's having a great season. Drake London looks fun. Kyle Pitts is still Kyle Pitts whenever they can get him the ball and not forget that he exists for, you know, games at a time. Uh, AJ Terrell is fun, but overall, the team is bad. Uh, 
but they're just playing just competent enough to get you excited a little bit every week. And uh, I'm just going to take it and enjoy it while we have it because next year the expectations will be back. Marcus Mariota still might be our quarterback based on how he's playing. It, it, it's it's going to get unfun real fast because it's been fun this year. So, Shocker fans, if you're listening, just cherish this season. Uh, who do you think should be more concerned, uh, the Buccaneers or the Packers? Um, I I I think the Buccaneers because with the Packers, I I, I don't think that Aaron Rodgers is cooked. I just kind of think Aaron Rodgers just goes through these phases where you know he doesn't like how the offense is is being called or how how guys are performing within their roles in the offense. So you know. He'll have like what I call just like the, the pout games where he'll just start turfing balls uh, as soon as as soon as the play snaps. They're not really giving chances, plays a full chance to uh, to be read out by him. Uh, I think that that's correctable. I think what what the Buccaneers have is a little scarier because for the first time ever, and I may regret saying this, Tom Brady looks. He looks kind of washed, guys. I think uh, don't do this, Charles. Don't do this. I, I know. I, I know. I know. It's it's a dangerous game to play, but I'm going to go on the record here in front of all of you and say <laughs> that the 45-year-old quarterback is starting to play like a 45-year-old man. Uh, the offensive line hasn't been good. Obviously, they've, they've had some receiver struggles uh, with injuries. But, man, like I think the most, start, the most startling thing for Tom is he's just doesn't appear to be as accurate as he once was, which is I don't know how you can really start to fix that at his age. And uh, it, it seems like they're they're just going to have to you know fight and claw their way to the playoffs, which is definitely possible. Uh, the rest of the NFC South is not all that strong, but this is not a great situation for the Buccaneers to be in, just as far as their chances to go into the playoffs are concerned. What do you have for then for the Packers on the other end? Um, I mean, I think the Packers stink. Like this, this or okay, stink might be a, a strong word because I do still like the piece of the defense. But I, I feel like with the Packers, we probably should have seen some of this coming this season, right? Uh, even beyond you know the Aaron Rodgers games where he just kind of you know says, "All right, we'll try again next week." It's not like we should be we should have been expecting an offense with two rookie wide receivers, neither of them first round picks. Sammy Watkins potentially your wide receiver one or Alan Lazare is your wide receiver one. You know, I don't know why we, we didn't have a little bit more healthy skepticism towards that coming into the season. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's like you're built like an old school offense, you know, two bell cow backs, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, but they don't really have the personnel to quite run that. And their, offense, their, their wide receiver room is kind of a mess. Uh, I, I think with the Packers' defense, to me, I think they're going to settle down at some point in the season. They just have too much talent not to if everyone can stay healthy. But the offense, man, it's a, I, I think you're starting to see the limitations of it. And I think for the frustrating part for Packers fans is like by the time Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs are really ready to take that next step and be your bona fide starting receivers, Rodgers might be over the hill, which is you know a, a pretty weird part about where they are. You know, I, I think Rodgers is definitely still good. I think he kind of needs to re-engage with the game plan a little bit more, but it, it, it's tough when you're throwing to two guys who haven't really played in the NFL much. Has any team moved quicker on a benched player and getting them the hell out of there than the Panthers with Robbie Anderson? No, the only time I can think of uh, this happening is like a player doing it to themselves. Uh, was Monte Davis like retired at halftime <laughs> from that Bills game? That, I mean, this this was 
this is kind of like the same things, right? <laughs> I, and look, I, I don't know what Robbie said or what had Robbie so dejected, but I'm going to say this. He was right. He was right. <laughs> Did you guys see the passing charts for P.J. Walker? What did he throw, like it, two it, balls beyond the line of scrimmage? Well, no, no. He threw four yards past the line of scrimmage, but his longest completed pass past the line of scrimmage was for one air yard. <laughs> Uh, the rest of all his completions came behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, I, I watched some of the film yesterday. It's it's not even football. It's it's like one of the first plays in the game when the Panthers are running. So it's like an RPO, but no one runs around. So <laughs> it's really just PJ Walker just running away from Aaron Donald, spinning circles in the backfield because all the wide receivers, all the linemen are blocking, and there's nowhere to go with the ball. Uh, like I, I don't even. I, I, I commend Robbie Anderson for what he did because no one should have to waste away and spend a year of their athletic prime on a team that has absolutely no fortune or no hope of, you know, let's say winning three more games this season. Like if the Panthers won three more games this year, that would be a miracle based on how they look right now. Uh, they spent a lot of money to be really, really bad at quarterback, a lot of money in draft picks, and uh, it cost Matt Rule's job. And Robbie Anderson, you're free. You're right. So Charles, the uh, the in season oh, over under win total right now is set at four and a half. Would you lock in that under? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen Baker Mayfield play football? <laughs> Baker, Baker Mayfield has been so bad this year that Steve Wilkes watched that game on on uh, on Sunday where PJ Walker threw for sixty yards in like sixteen attempts. And he said Baker was going to have to come back and earn his job. That team's not winning another game this season. <laughs> well, he is Charles McDonald. Again, follow him on Twitter at 4Verts from Yahoo Sports. Charles, as always, we appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Charles. All right, talk to you next week. So there's Charles on the NFL and the Carolina Panthers being hilariously bad. Um, can we get Panthers Broncos in prime time? <sighs> Three nothing. Three two. Three two. Den- Denver gets a safety, but loses because they can't. Well, they score. do have a safety in the third quarter. Right. We know that because they've scored five points. Will Wilson run out of the back of the end zone? Oh, both teams get a safety. It's possible. Hackett might draw that up. Be like, here's a good play, guys. <laughs> we give them two points. Then Did we you see Hackett's comment? We need better plays. <laughs> we we do get Denver versus Carolina this year. It but is, that's like a 10 a.m. game, it's right? 10 a.m. Yeah, yeah. game on Thanksgiving weekend. Oh, so, uh, nobody's going to watch it. Oh, yeah. come on. That's what, on like the... Saturday? No, it's on the 27th, so I'm assuming that's Sunday. That's going to be like the least watched game of the season, and it's going to be great. And then Carolina has their bye week right after. Oh, they can they can be all in on beating Denver. All right, coming up next, the NBA season starts tonight. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. The NBA season starts tonight. Two games, Sixers at Celtics and Lakers at Warriors. Uh, Good thing for you, Ed. You don't have to worry about the Dodgers and the NLCS. You can watch some basketball tonight. All right. (laughs) I will not be be turning on at 5 o'clock the Phillies against the Padres. I'll be keeping track just in case the Phillies are winning. Then I might switch over. Ah, look at you. I can't wait. I can't wait. Padres-Astros World Series. You cheering for the Astros. You're going to be, you're gonna thinking, be more mad than I am when they lose to the Padres. I was thinking about that the other day, and I cannot believe between those two teams I'd have to choose one. I'd choose the Astros. I know you would, 100%. I'd choose the Astros. You oh, are yeah. 
Yeah. Among Dodger fans that I've talked to, you are like the least upset about 20, this 2017 World Series. Yeah, I'm upset about it, but not right. not to the point of like, you know, going insane and nuts and throwing things. Yeah. I mean, I only throw things during the regular season <laughs> when they're losing to like, you know, the Diamondbacks or somebody. <laughs> no, I'm not. So, you know, Dodger fans who are livid. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Hunter's still still not over it at any point. Who would root for the Padres? I, I'll have to ask. I don't know. Like, I'll have to ask. I don't know how my other Dodger friends, I don't know how much they hate the Padres like you do. No, I, I think it's impossible. Yeah. I'm looking up front pages of because, the San Diego paper this morning to see what the headlines are. Because I'm thinking the, the couple of Dodger friends that I have, I think they're all from here. Like, okay. they're not. They're not from California. Yeah, they're not from San Diego. Like, okay. Yeah. So, like, it makes sense for you. To be livid and hate, to hate the Padres. Right. Like, yeah, I get that. So, but they're all from here. So, I, I'm sure they, you know, it's a division rival and they're, it's still annoying. Like, but it might be more like how I feel about the Mariners than how you actually feel about the Padres. Padres. It's just a team you play a lot, and they're kind of annoying there. Uh, But in the NBA, Warriors play tonight. Here's some fun numbers for you. The Warriors signed Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins to new contracts before this season started. Poole got a four-year deal, $140 million. Wiggins got four years, 109. That's both added on to what they, they currently have. This is from Bobby Marks. If Draymond Green opts into his player option after this season, and assuming they don't trade him as well, then Golden State will end up paying more in luxury tax next year than they will in actual salaries. So in the NBA, this year, the salary cap is $138 million. But you can go over that. It's a soft cap. The luxury tax line is $162 million. Next year, if Draymond Green opts in, the Warriors' salary will be $215 million. It's almost $100 million more than the actual salary cap. And because they'd be that high over, they would end up paying $248 million in, in tax. luxury tax. Uh, they would conceivably have Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, and Draymond Green all making at least $20 million. Some of those, like Curry and Thompson, significantly more than $20 million. I mean, if you win it, won it last year, isn't this okay? And maybe oh. if you win another one, it doesn't really matter. Okay. If you are an owner of a sports team, this is what you should be yes. doing, right? Hockey has a hard cap, and you can't restructure deals to lessen the cap hit, right? Like, a guy's got to retire, and you, there's a couple of things you can do to sort of stretch it. But basically, when you sign a guy to a contract, that's on your cap for as long as that player's on your roster. The NFL has a hard cap as well, but there's a lot of ways to restructure deals to get around that, and there's non-guaranteed deals. Baseball doesn't have a cap. They just have a luxury tax. The NBA does have a cap, but it's a soft cap, and they have a luxury tax. Here's where the Warriors... The reason the Warriors are so high or will be so high over it is bird rights. You are always allowed to sign your own player in the NBA. Right, if if that's your player, right? right. You, you draft right. Jordan Poole, he turns into a star. You're always allowed to pay that guy. Right. So that's what's happened here. They they did trade for Andrew Wiggins, but outside of that, Curry, Thompson, Wiggins, Green, all these guys They're that are making guys. all that money, they drafted him. And the NBA, which I think is smart, is not going to punish teams for drafting well by saying, "Well, you can't have all of them at those highest salaries." They say, "Well." Congratulations. Like you get to have all those guys at the But you're going to pay the tax. But you're going to pay the luxury tax. And as if you're a fan of a team, 
you want that owner. What, like, regardless of whether the Warriors win or not, right? If they, even if they lost the NBA Finals last year, or whatever, you you want that owner. You want the owner that's like, okay, I'm fine paying almost five hundred million dollars in salary and luxury tax in a sport where the salary cap is one hundred thirty eight million dollars. I'm fine with that. You want the owner that's fine with that, and as a fan, that's exactly what you want because that's incredible. That's absolutely incredible if you're a Warriors fan to be looking at your roster saying, ah. Oh, we're spending 215 million on salaries and my oh, owners guys and my owners perfectly fine right. lopping off another 250 because we're going to keep Curry Thompson, Poole, right. Wiggins and Draymond Green. Right. If they keep Draymond Green, we'll see what happens there. Hmm. You think do they trade him by the way? Like they're just, they're bringing him back. I think they've gone they've gone far enough with him that they're just going to roll with him. Oh man. Like there was a there was a lot. He punches Jordan Poole in the face and is away from the team. And there were a lot of stories and a lot of, you know, anonymous sources about this could be it for Draymond Green and Golden State. This could be the last thing that forces them to move away from Draymond Green. And does he get traded somewhere, right? And then the Warriors are bringing him back. Bringing him back. And he's going to play. And I just, I wonder, if you bring him back and he's going to play in game one, what would be the purpose in trading him now? I mean, I guess something else could happen, right? There could we be could another punch somebody incident. else. There could be another incident, but it just seems like Draymond Green's back. Draymond Green's a warrior, and I doubt he and Jordan Poole are friends, but they're going to be good enough to play as teammates. Yeah, I would like. We talked about this. I would have to guess if Jordan Poole was genuinely upset with Draymond Green Livid being him. around him, that they would not be bringing Draymond right. Green back. That like. Not that it's completely Jordan Poole's decision, but I have to imagine if Jordan Poole voiced his concern, displeasure with Steve Kerr, the front office or whatever. You really think they would not bring Draymond Green back as important as he's been to that team? At least to start the year. Maybe suspended him. Yeah, they might say, hey, Jordan, okay, like we hear you. We're going to delay Draymond Green coming back, but we do want to work this out, figure this out, whatever it is. But I do think if Jordan Poole had an issue, they wouldn't have brought him back. I mean, he, did he play in the last preseason game or something? He was back last week with the team, and now he's going to play tonight. I have to imagine if Jordan Poole actually voiced something, they would say, okay, we'll delay. Because, listen, yes. I think Curry was the mediator. There. Right, that was reported. But, yes, every game matters. But if you're the Warriors, you could survive a month with Draymond Green Not suspended. Playing. Right. So right. I'd say it's more important to show Jordan Poole that, hey, we care about what you want and how you feel than it is for Draymond Green to play in the first month of the season. The key for the Warriors is, all right, get him back for the playoffs effectively. So they play tonight. We'll see how long that lasts, but it looks like it's going to last a while.